2: well it's a huge thing and you know, like i said in the beginning you don't get those, so many opportunities i think teams for years chasing those kind of players uh, and we did it uh, trade deadline so i'm very excited i'm happy for organization and i'm you know happy for bulls fans um, and i'm looking forward to see how this group is going to work and again we're not done so we're gonna try to Keep improving, you know, keep improving our quality of play uh, and and then keep adding pieces to, to what this team is gonna look like in the future.
3: That's the AK part of Acme, Arturis Karnachovas. The other part is Mark Eversley. Acme, trying to take the Bulls to the Acme of the NBA and made a major move this week. He was talking about it. Basically, part of the message was, Get tough or get out. Let's see what the rest of the message was. Let's go to the score hotline. Presented by Alpamonte Ford, Alpamonte Ford and Melrose Park on North Avenue or apford.com. And we welcome back to the show Rick Camp, the host of the Bulls postgame show right here on the score. There will be a Bulls postgame show tonight after Mark Rohde's most anticipated Bulls game maybe ever or ever. maybe not. But Ever. tonight against San Jose with a new look, with their... Or the San Polish Antonio. Yogish. Yeah, them. You're them always thinking two, hockey, right. San Antonio. Yeah, I know. I just, I yeah. can't. That's the way it works. Rick, thanks for joining us. So you heard, go back to when you heard about the trade and then sort of walk us through what you what you felt then, what you think now, what you anticipate tonight.
1: What I mean, well, I'll start with what I'm anticipating tonight, and I think it's uh, Vucevic being really good in the boards against Joe Thornton and Joe Pavelski.
3: Yes when they take on the Sharks. <laughs> I, and I would anticipate that too, but but how do you how do you think the uh the Russian goal? Remember when Joe Thornton
4: be? beat up Jonathan Taves
3: at one time?
1: Hey, I'm just have, I hope Jay somehow finds out about this that I was able to name two hockey players yes, like that.
3: Was that. Good. So. <laughs> Who are no longer with the San Jose
4: Shores. Hey. Uh, no, that was good, though. I was I was yeah, actually I was. surprised. I didn't you would not have had enough time to look those up. So bravo. Rick Let's Andy. do that hockey. Yeah.
1: Damn right. Okay, so with so with this trade, uh, I was shocked when it happened. Because, but it's also a good thing that I was shocked because I love the fact that this front office is able to keep everything under wraps, and especially as we've learned more of just how long this had at least been an idea and there'd been some discussions with Orlando. The fact that none of it got out is a great sign for this front office. Just that as opposed to the last regime, you know, seems like you would think everybody gets along, everybody's on the same page. And the fact that there were enough people in this decision-making process that none of them felt the need or want to let that get out is a good thing. Uh, I also think it makes a lot of sense As a move, I think it was really interesting because it was so hard to try and evaluate this team because you didn't know the direction. And that was perfectly okay. that this front office said, hey, we want to be able to evaluate these guys before we kind of decide how we're going to go. And I think part of the impetus of this move is actually what's happened around the league and the fact that a lot of the big ticket free agents from this upcoming summer resigned. So this upcoming free agent class isn't very good anymore So uh, there's about a dozen teams that were supposed to have free agent money to spend without having guys to spend it on. The bulls decided to essentially pre-spend their free agent money and say, Hey, we'll go get someone that's on a value deal that can really help maximize Zach Levine a little bit more, take some of the load off of his shoulders offensively and be able to provide something that the bulls could really use in terms of an upgrade and also you know, give them probably the, but they couldn't have gotten someone as good as Nikola Vucevic on the free agent market this off season, which is more of a sign of the lack of guys on the market. So I think in that essence, and yeah, at least if for some reason you're still in the lottery, either this time around or in 2023, there's at least enough protection to where if you get lucky, then you're still covered and you have your own pick. So I like it. And as much as I was a huge Wendell Carter guy, It really seemed like he was someone that needed a fresh start somewhere else to be able to maximize the rest of his career. No
4: doubt. I mean, it's amazing how quickly this team went from development to enough with that. We have a chance to get Vucevic on our team. So let's play the can't be the starting lineup game. Here's what I got. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Vucevic, Levine, Patrick Williams, Young and Sadoransky. Yes. No.
1: That's probably what I would start with. I almost wonder if they're going to give Markinen the, like, just start it there and then okay. let the defense be really, really bad and then say, okay, this is why we have to move you to the bench and start Thad <laughs> for Young. For his sake?
4: For his, for Markinen's sake? You mean Maybe, like, to save yeah. That, yeah, okay. that's
1: what I would, that's what I would think. I would start Thad Young as well. You're kind of deciding with whoever starts at the four. Do you start Markinen to where it's a better offensive fit? But defensively, it's probably going to be a train wreck because Vucevic is not a great defender. Like okay. he's a bulkier body, but he's not the most athletic center in the world. Like he's a really skilled dude and he can play drop coverage decently well, but he's never gonna be an average he's not gonna be an average defensive center. He's just not. Um or you start Thad Young, where you know Thad Young is he's okay shooting the three and spacing out, but obviously as we Ooh. saw last year, he's not really That's not really what he wants to do. So him and Vucevic offensively operate in a lot of the same type of space. So that could get a little clunky in terms of spacing at times, but defensively it would make a lot more sense. So it's just kind of where would they rather have the the clunkier fit, offensively or defensively, and maybe that could be matchup-based as well. But I think you're on the right track. Really the only moving piece right now is that starting power forward spot.
3: We're talking with Rick Camp, host of the – Bulls post game show tonight. They play the Spurs. You can see here the post the pregame show at seven fifteen, and Chuck and Bill on the call, and then Rick and Chuck and Bill in the post game and various combinations, and various opinions and various observations. An observation: I came out of this not only that 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 trade that trade deadline proved underscored. Validated a near-complete repudiation of Garpax. Only Lowry and is left for that to be complete, as far as I'm concerned, whenever they deal him. But he really seemed to have a grip on a sense of not, not trusting the emotional makeup, the mental makeup, not trusting the toughness mentally and emotionally of the players, and aside from the physical part of it is that fair am i over over uh, overreaching for this rick
1: no i think that's fair and i mean one thing that i appreciated about wendell carter is that he was a truth teller and when he said after that abomination of a Cavs game that we took this team for granted that is so damning And I think that's on more than just someone like Wendell Carter. Wendell was the main guy sent out because it made sense for the sake of this deal. But I think there was a lot of that, or at least a decent amount of that, in that locker room. And I don't think all of it's gone necessarily. But with the types of guys that the Bulls brought in, getting a little bit older, getting guys that are known for being a little tougher, especially with someone like Daniel Tice, more of a defensive-minded guy like Troy Brown, who may have some playmaking ability as well, I think it definitely points to wanting some more adults in the room. And I think it's interesting because, you know, Carter Chovis. if they had more just sold off and kind of started or started this whole rebuild thing over, I don't think some people probably wouldn't have been that happy, but they would have understood it because it's their first year here where now he's really got, he's got to to thread that needle. And it's not going to be very easy because, you know, Vucevic is, is 30. Now, he has a game that should age decently well, but you're going to re-sign Zach Levine, you you would only assume. So now they have the second guy and they have the third guy of like a really, really good team. And you heard on the cut coming in from Karnaschovas that you know they're still looking to improve, and maybe that'll be more around the edges and throughout the depth. But at some point, they got to have the ability to go get that number one dude. Otherwise, there was all this celebration this week. About getting back to the treadmill of mediocrity, and we know how much I hate treadmills.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing about treadmills, Rick. If you go on the treadmill, then you could justify eating more. Why do I need, need to, to go on
1: the treadmill to justify eating more? <laughs> do you
5: guys know who you're talking to? Are you are you, re- you realize who the guest is. I just want to make sure uh, you're aware. I was going to
1: say, I know you guys saw that picture from the, uh, from the daily Southtown article. Yes. I mean, my neck is a rumor at this point. So like, <laughs> yes, it I, is. You know.
4: yes. you're hilarious, man. Yeah. Um, yes. All right. Back to the bull. Bo- Cause we will talk food here momentarily, but is this last call for Lowry Markkinen? Or do you think they've already made up their mind on Markin and, and his future beyond this year? I, I
1: think he's, I think he's gone uh, in the offseason. Now the only the only thing that's left to be determined is if he just walks, if he gets you know whatever offer it is from one of these teams in restricted free agency. And that's the other thing is with all this extra money out there, and they're not being good unrestricted free agents. There's a lot of talk that some of these teams that are maybe not as good are going to focus their dollars on restricted free agency. And there's probably a team or two out there that says, you know what, we can be the ones to unlock Lowry marketing completely. There's always going to be teams that have that confidence in themselves out there. So he'll probably get an offer that the Bulls will be like, no thanks. And then it's just a matter of, is it let him walk or is it a sign-in trade? Because a lot of teams are more willing to do sign-in trades right now because when you sign and trade for someone, you are subject to the hard cap, which is... I believe about $6 million over the luxury tax. Well, with all the you know, financial issues due to COVID right now, very few teams want to spend into the luxury tax anyway. So they're like, okay, fine, put this hard cap on us. We don't care. So over the last couple off seasons, sign-in trades have become more viable and it's allowed teams to get a little bit of value even after that trade deadline uh, for a restricted free agent or even an unrestricted free agent. So I think the bulls will ideally like to even if it's a second round pick just get something for the right to uh sign and trade market and just get themselves another draft asset something like that because they need as many as they can to be able to maybe trade for whoever that number 1 guy is when that comes around because the standard is if you're trading for the number 1 dude on a possible really good team you're trading everything and the bulls yes. don't have everything anymore mm. so they got to get creative
3: Talking with Rick Camp, host of the Bulls post-game show here on The Score. You'll hear him tonight after the Bulls and the new-look Bulls show off their uh, play against the Spurs. And their new center will be there, the man who made Zach Levine a lot better in the last couple of days. So, Rick, I asked you to do some homework. I wanted your list of top five centers. And I want to know where Vucevic ranks in your world as far as that's concerned share with the class
1: within the top five I think it's there's I'll I'll list the tiers um the top tier I think is two guys and it's pretty easy to figure out it's Nikola Jokic and it's Joel Embiid the two outside of LeBron James for most of the season so far the top two MVP candidates uh Jokic is the top MVP candidate on the board, at least in Vegas right now. I would appreciate that because I got a preseason ticket on him 36 to 1 because he's a fat and I like him. Uh so there's that. And Joel Embiid is just he's really damn good. And that Sixers team is really good. Uh it's just a matter, but you know, he's probably not gonna win MVP because of missing time and all that. I think the second tier is one guy by himself, and that's Rudy Gobert. The offensive numbers aren't sexy. He's really limited offensively. But as the nine blocks against the Bulls would show, mm-hmm. he's still that much of a difference maker defensively. And then I think you get into the four, five, six area right now where the reason I have Vucevic sixth is because maybe I'm projecting more just than this year is that he's at the peak of his powers right now where Carl Anthony Towns and Bam Adebayo still have ways to get better. And they're younger, and I mm. think they're more versatile and athletic overall. So I have. <gasps> That's, That's enough, Studs. Studs. Yeah. <laughs> studs doesn't even know who these players are yeah. because they don't oh, play football. I'm aware,
5: I'm aware of who these players are. <laughs> okay. I was and booing you not putting Vucevic in the top five. I realize this.
1: Yeah. You know who I... he wanted? He
4: wants, just like me, Rudy Gobert.
1: but I have Vucevic sixth uh, and mind you the center is a pretty deep position right now at least at that top once you get past those six guys I think there's a drop off but Vuce is a guy that yeah he's an all-star but he's not the top dude he's never going to be the best player on a title team or anything like that but he's a really good player I think he's as much of a floor raiser for the Bulls As he is, he raises the ceiling a little, but he raises the floor significantly for their offense, especially.
3: We raise the roof, don't we, Steve? Yes, raise. Okay, so the now we'd like to talk to the co-host of the I'm Fat and co-founder of the I'm Fat podcast. Got some really nice pub you can act on the Daily Southtown. You and Jay, the I'm Fat podcast, and it's a classic picture. Uh, i I don't know how you got the zero point three or the point three uh I' assumed it was zero point zero which I think is one of the most brilliant bumper stickers and t-shirts as far as uh, expending uh effort so you guys got some pub congratulations Rick
1: thank you pubs are always good because yeah. they have a uh, beer and food in them normally That's and then great. this yeah in this instance it's also just it's cool to get recognized and mind you to, to pull the curtain back a little bit. Maybe Jay told me and I forgot, which is very possible, but I did not know this was going on. So when Jay sent me the article, I was like, Oh, look at that. But it also <laughs> makes sense. Cause it's the daily South town. Jay's a South burbs guy. I am uh-huh. not. So, you know, Jay, but Jay gave great quotes and like, that's gave the essence of what the podcast is. It's fun that, yeah, we have fun and we joke about food and all this other stuff. But the, like, semi-serious aspect of it is, yeah, we don't body shame. We, we let everybody be themselves, and, you know, everybody should be allowed to let their freak, f- freak flag fly mm, in three, two, one. Uh, 2, 1. And just the fact that it's, a, it's an open environment for that. So we get people calling in saying that they keep, you know, craft singles in their glove box in the winter because they don't want to pay for cheese on their burgers. Okay, uh-huh. that's kind of cheap as long as fat, but do you? And the fact that everybody feels safe with it and that it's become a big community aspect of it is is honestly like much bigger than I thought this thing would ever get. So I appreciate everybody who, uh, who listens, who rates, reviews, subscribes, all that jazz. And the fact that oh, we got written up in the Daily Southtowns. is really cool.
3: And the Pepsi and Peeps collaboration. How you fix for Peeps Out. and Pepsi. Keep it
1: away from me. Jay can have all of it. <laughs> I'm not like I'll I'll get a craving for peeps maybe once a year and that's about it. Otherwise, you can keep it and I don't need it in my Pepsi because I'm not going to be having Pepsi myself unless, you know, if it's my choice.
3: Wait, what's that? What's Pepsi and peeps? I don't know what you guys are talking about.
1: They're collabing on a really bad pop.
3: Oh, which is you can imagine this being the the food version of Pace and Nagy. Collaborating on a quarterback, so I think that's what that <gasps> would be our comparison. That would be the comparison. Pepsi. Now you've is, really done it. Now you got
1: stuff so. Really it, so is Nick is Which one? So is Nick Foles diabetes in a can? Then, because that's what this sounds like.
3: <laughs> you know, one of them
4: has. Oh, to is be this the, like a is this like a Jolt thing? Like jolt all the sugar and twice the caffeine. Is that what this Pepsi and Peeps situation is? No,
3: no, no. It is more of the pillowy, soft, and sweet taste of marshmallow in of uh, uh the peeps marshmallow oh. in oh. your pepsi and peeps oh. are always in an Easter and Easter oh, tradition Oh
4: those Oh I was totally missing this okay Wow
3: Did you think peeps are have... short for people? Yeah I did <laughs> <laughs> Yeah they're made for cannibals. We have a soft drink for cannibals. Boy this no, show does just, like, suck. I, yeah, no <laughs> I just I, I was like you were I either. thought it was
4: a commercial campaign like hey, does Pepsi suck. and
3: peeps we're drinking yeah. Pepsi and we're peeps. Oh so, yeah, I Rick, are, well, I didn't see the final results. I, I apologize, Rick, but but Popeyes fried chicken sandwich was in danger. The the Duke of the March fatness brackets. I don't know how it turned out. Share with the class and what's next.
1: Okay, so we have the flabby four. We are at the point where <laughs> we have the, the flabby four. four. In nice. the Rick Camp region, air conditioning, which has been a juggernaut this entire time, 89% over relaxed fit. In the Bill Oakley region, eating an entire pint of ice cream had 59% of the votes over wearing sweatpants 365 days a year. In the Jay Zawski region, Thanksgiving dinner with 67% of the vote over the aisle, getting the aisle seat on a plane. And wow. in the fast food menu items region, the biggest upset of the tournament in my mind, the Culver's Butter Burger with 52% of the vote over the Popeye's chicken sandwich.
5: Wow. Ooh. Didn't you, when you did that top 10 fast food item list for Joe like two years ago, wasn't the Butterburger Burger number one?
1: I don't remember what number it was, but it was definitely up there. It is so good, and it's a crime that Culver's is not nationwide yet. It's pretty much everywhere outside of the coast. Culver's is there. But we need to get Culver's expanding out to the coast because it is the best fast food chain out there.
4: Do you run your air conditioner during
1: the winter? <laughs> um, There there were times I was tempted this year because I live in a okay. building where there are a decent amount of uh, older people that live in my building. So my building <laughs> okay. used to be more of a retirement... Uh, living situation before they opened it up to everybody. So, okay. the, so the default temperature in that building in the winter is hot. So, oh, yeah, there okay. were times I, I was tempted, but I would crack the window when it was like 20 degrees out, and All then right. I would get yelled
3: at. <laughs> I, would I would think so, yeah. that yeah. You know, I'm not surprised by air conditioning. What I'm always surprised about, but then I've figured it out, is Gold Bond, which is Gold Bond should always do better. Agreed. I think you have too many people who aren't fats. When you don't body shame the way you do, the way you guys respond and the way you guys act and the way it is, it's all about the goodness of food, no matter what your size or shape. That you, if you had, if you had limited it to solely the three X's, I think Gold Bond would be a a flabby four regular.
1: I I I agree. And the other thing is, I don't think sweatpants would have gotten as far because fats prefer athletic shorts because our default temperature is higher because we insulate <laughs> yeah. the heat. That's and also true. like, as I, as I project out what's happened in the, uh, in the March fatness bracket this year, air conditioning has to be the odds on favorite. And I'm realizing the onion ring of honor is starting to look like just a fativity scene because <laughs> it's going to be Andy Reed with the air conditioning on eating pizza and bacon. That's the fativity scene that's going to be in the Onion Ring of Honor at this point.
3: <laughs> well, the way you guys are marketing and the merch you're selling, I would think you've got your holiday item ready to go. I I think that's it. That's that fativity scene is a brilliant, a brilliant concept. Get a snow globe made. The word is great, and I just think, and that that's the way it should work. That's the way it should be. Rick, I thank you for your time. We'll listen for you tonight. Thank
1: you. Later. All right.
3: That's Rick Camp, co-host, co-founder of the Iron Fat podcast. You can read about him on the Chicago Tribune online. The uh, hard copy is in the uh, South Town, or, uh, the Daily South Town. Oh, my God. And the March fatness brackets. But he will be telling you, he will be giving you the post-game for the Bulls. The Bulls play their, the new look Bulls play their first game tonight. And it's against the Spurs. And it Pregame is at 7.15 right here on The Score. We'll take a break. When we come back, I think it's time for what Mark heard. I can't imagine what's in this week so much. This This was whiplash this week. Oh, yeah. Yep. So let's do that, allow as much time as we can the rest of the hour for what Mark heard. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
0: Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back yak.
5: It's time for What
0: Mark Heard
5: on Saturday Suckage with Mark Brody and Steve Rosenblum.
3: Boy, everyone is stupid except me. It is that time, what Mark heard right here on the score, Saturday suckage. We suck so you don't have to. The White Sox suck for giving Eloy Jimenez a glove after that whole netting thing. and Eloy Jimenez sucks for <clears throat> trying to play left field. We try, people, we try. In the meantime, Mark, what did you heard? We're going to start with Aloy Jimenez, and Steve Stone was
4: on the score this week with Parkinson Spiegel, and he was not pulling any punches. Take a listen to Stoney. Well, what I said at the time, so this isn't a Monday morning quarterback situation, but I said it was a very dumb play. Uh, Number one, it's spring training. Number two, got about a week to go before the season starts. Number three, he missed the ball by 15 feet. And so the one thing that Eloy hasn't learned yet, and he's learned a lot, but the one thing he hasn't learned is he can't possibly help this team unless he's in the lineup. And so you have to learn to protect yourself. That I thought was most symbolic of the conversation. Stone said on any number of occasions that he used the word "dumb," that it was a, a dumb play, unnecessary, and did not excuse it in the least. Stevie Sunshine.
3: Yes, and and there's a lot of blame to be placed on the player of learning and growing. There's a lot of play, There's some blame to be placed on the team for, you you can't teach him. You didn't teach him. You didn't get through to him. You have a guy who is. However it was, I know that he became defensive. He is far more defensive in his responses to questions about his defense than he has been successfully defensive in the outfield. And that was a problem. That was always going to be a problem. And one thing the team, one fine line the team walks is doing what's best for the team by taking away his glove and telling him, no, you're not going out there because you're a menace to yourself. You're a menace to Louis Robert and you're a menace to the team. You just hit. That's what you're good at. And having a player be able to accept that he wants to be a complete ball player and maybe that diminishes his attitude, his swag, his his outlook, his approach and what he resonates, what he what he how he radiates in that club in that clubhouse. I don't know. I don't know that any of us would know because they didn't do it, but um, there's always, teams always seem to fight that when you know a guy is just, you should know his learning curve. I don't know if they knew his learning curve, but the player has to take the respo- some responsibility. I just think the team's got to know. You got to know what your player's capable of doing and learning, don't you think? Yeah,
4: and left field matters too. I mean, it's always easy for us to say, "Oh, yeah, you just throw your worst guy out in left field." Left field does matter. I think it's also indicative of now. I'm going to go against what I just said. That still in in baseball now, it is. They could say whatever they want. Teams could say whatever they want about wanting to have a tight and good defense. They're the the preferred form of of playing in the game today is offense. And oftentimes, we it, defense Defense has become extremely secondary. And I think that this is kind of a microcosm of it. And unfortunately, the White Sox and Aloy have learned a lesson. And I don't think he's coming back to left field. But let's, let's go to Rick Hahn right now as we continue on with what I, Mark, heard. This is Rick Hahn, the general manager of the White Sox, being asked about Eloy and what's going to go down with him when he does return beginning of the spring you were very definitive in saying that Eloy is, is your left fielder and, and you believe in him as a left fielder are you as definitive on that a, a day after what happened yesterday no well, he's not today <laughs> no I guess was, I should have said long term in there let's just get him healthy right now honestly this is this look this is this is one of our teammates, this is one of our brothers, who went down to a pretty significant injury yesterday. That's honestly, we want to get him healthy. We want to get him feeling good. Again, seeing him in pain yesterday was a, was difficult for all of us. And uh, right now, we, we've got the makings of a plan. Assuming the, the surgery comes off in the next several days, we'll be able to build off that plan, get the player back healthy and right, and then we'll figure out, moving forward, best way to fit him back in when the time comes. My bad. To be clear, that is a huge, big, fat no from Rick Hahn. Isn't it? I mean, is that what he's saying? Like, he's saying, oh, let's, come on, let's be respectful. I'm not going to tell everybody right now that he's never going to play the outfield again <laughs> for the White Sox. That's the translation in case anybody yeah. needed it.
3: Right. You know, I, I, I now take back every criticism I had of Alfonso Soriano and Wrigley Fields. <laughs> <laughs> he he because, looks good now, huh? Looks gold because gloves. Because that's the smart play. Yep. He said whatever you thought of the contract, whether you, whether you earned it or not, whatever, they won the division, they went to the playoffs the first two years that he was out there. He was a scared of Wrigley of the Walls, the 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 whatever it was, he wasn't going anywhere that was gonna jeopardize his at bats. And that's the right approach. So if you dare put him out there again, then you make Alfonso Soriano his outfielder coach because he will teach him all about that.
4: You know what? That's a great point. And could you, now that you're saying that, could you have imagined Eloy Jimenez playing left field at Wrigley Field and hitting that wall?
3: <laughs> I think he would have learned sooner. I think that's the advantage that Soriano's, ooh, that's brick. And I yeah, but maybe not maybe sorry I don't know what Soriano knows what he can learn but he has shown a an inability to have a quick learning curve about you know' obviously he doesn't have baseball instincts in the outfield that's clearly what he's missing everything else you know the hitting part of it all seemed good his baseball fielding instincts weren't there and again it comes back to what what should the team know or allow what should it what what should it have to deal with? I'm trying to think of the youngest player never to be able to have a glove again. Because hmm, they always want to do that. That's a great that. question. I might have said I, that about you know like you the comparison was made with Kyle Schwarber, right? Oh, he got hurt early. He came back. He won the World Series for him. He started the the game winning rally, and and it was a wonderful. It, it's a great story and a and a testament to perseverance and a man's intestinal. Fortitude, and but Schwarber was—I don't know if he was as bad as a of a catcher as he was um, as Jimenez is a left fielder. I don't know if it would seem that they were both bad left fielders, uh, and and I and not a lot of instincts for playing the position. Schwarber played left field like he was a linebacker. But he could throw like crazy. Yeah, I was just
5: gonna say, Rosie. Like he had a he had at least a redeeming quality, which is he has a cannon for an arm.
3: Yes, and and there's no question. You know, playing catcher all those years, it was it was worthwhile, and and that that was true. Uh, I I don't know, and and people, you could point to that because Kyle Schwarber got better. He was a better fielder. He's still throwing people out. He became more reliable out there. Um, But the Cubs, he became more reliable after the Cubs won a World Series. And the difference here is the Sox needed Jimenez in that lineup to win the World Series this year. And now he's not there. So between the players' inability to have any fielding instincts and the team's refusal to prevent him from going out there, I it's comparative negligence and the player probably draws more, but I haven't seen much criticism of the team for allowing him to go out there. I I think think it should be,
5: I think real quick, because I know we're going to move on from Eloy after this. I I, I just want to say, if they ever put him back out in the field, it needs to be with two stipulations, two rules. If you're going to be out in the field, number one, you don't cross the warning track. Your foot touches the warning track and you stop. Number two, no diving ever period. If you break either of those rules, you come out of the game immediately, period.
3: Can they have one of those, like, fenceless leeches that they use for for puppies to keep them inside the yard? And and it shocks them when they get, like, 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 when he gets to the warning track that he just has.
5: You're talking about an electronic fence? Yeah, electronic (laughs) fence.
3: That's what I'm trying to think of. It's not a leash. It's a fence.
5: Yeah. Yeah, Everybody's saying
4: that, like, like, hey, limit limit his, uh, with the distance that he travels out there. That's really hard, especially for a guy who doesn't have great spatial awareness to begin with, and his instincts are already off. How I don't like, right. like to have him thinking even more. Like, can I, am I allowed to run to the warning track? Am I allowed to go after the? Do I have to just let this fall in front of me? I think that that would actually make him worse if you I limited agree. what he is supposed to do. out. That's hard and, man. And for anybody might, who's ever played any baseball.
3: And if he's thinking out there, he might find another way to hurt himself. That's what a lot of people yeah, so tell you. I
4: hate yeah. to say it, Studs. That ain't a good idea. Like, And I've heard that idea. I know Parco threw that idea out there, too. It, it, that, that, well, does, that would
5: not work. That speaks more to the point of why he shouldn't be playing the field anymore. Because if he doesn't yes. understand that he is doing these things and getting himself hurt, so he shouldn't be doing that, then he shouldn't be in the outfield. Exactly. That's now that I
4: agree with. And and another part of to this, too, is, you know how much it'll piss off pitchers. And I know the pitchers, all the Sox pitchers will say the right thing. But if Lance Lynn is out there or whomever, Giolito, Steve's guy, Dylan Cease, and they see Eloy Jimenez just allowing a ball to bounce on the warning track because he's not allowed to go there. You, you, they're going to throw their arms up. I mean, at, at some point in time, that that is not going to be good for team morale. So, yeah, the the only answer to me is get him out of there and maybe make him the youngest designated hitter of all time. That's a good question you had, Steve. I don't know who who the youngest per, or the the fastest to abandon outfield and become. <laughs> I mean, the only guy I think of is Nelson Cruz, but he's like forty, literally, what forty one years old now. So I don't yeah. know how long he. I don't remember the last time Cruz
3: played the outfield or
4: whatever position he played. Yeah, the, um, the,
3: the guy I remember, the guy I most associate with with losing his love quickest would be Edgar Martinez. Yeah, yep. So, uh, you know, right. I think what we should do is take a break and get back, come back with the rest of what Mark heard.
4: Got bears and we'll, bulls.
3: Bears and bulls yeah, on what Mark and, heard. And it's, it yeah, it seems like a good time to break that down to – to carry on where we where we are and the uh, bears. We, Yeah bears. and we thank you for joining us for for no apparent reason and we thank you yeah. for not calling us at 312-644-6767. This is Saturday Suckage, of course. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Roddy, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score.
0: All the bears
3: Welcome in, welcome back. Saturday, Suckers, Steve Rosenthal, Mark Roddy. We are uh, part two of what Mark heard to finish up on a question we asked before the break regarding taking Aloy Jimenez's glove away and how how who might be the youngest guy who went on to have a good hitting career just take the glove away because you suck and you're a menace and you're a danger out there. So two names I brought up: Edgar Martinez. He really stopped playing. In the field at age 31 you go back over the baseball reference page and at age 31 he played um, he played 23 games at I'm sorry he played 64 games at third base and at age 32 he played four so that's where it cut off for him 31 32 David Ortiz is suggested on the text line and David Ortiz at 28, really, no more than 10 games a year the rest of his career. That's when they took his glove away at first base. So there we go. I just wanted to finish that up. Thank you, Textline, for helping us some name, suggest some names. But both were c- considerably older, right, than Eloy is now. But Eloy's a menace out there.
1: Right, Mark.
4: and David Ortiz seemed <clears> – <throat> hi, Steve. David Ortiz seemed extremely happy as a designated hitter, so that maybe that could be the the go-to. If somebody needs to sit down with a lawyer and explain, say, "Hey, look what look what David Ortiz look what mm-hmm. became of him." So that's a great comp. All right, let's get on with what Mark heard, and we haven't talked about the Bears today. I was part of a group of reporters who spoke to one of the Bears' new cornerbacks. They've had a, a couple of new quarterback cornerbacks signed recently important to have the N as a Nancy in there when having this discussion but that man is Desmond Trufant and I had the following question for him you come in here and you, you're obviously going to get a chance to, to start at corner and you know potentially replace Kyle Fuller does that get in your head at all when you think about Fuller and the success that he's had and how long he's been around that you have to come in and try to fit in here after the success he had
5: not at all uh, You know. Uh, I've been doing this a long time, you know, so that's just part of the game. There's great players everywhere, you know, and got a lot of respect for him. You know, he's done it at a high level for a long time. But, you know, this is the game. I want to, no matter where I'm at or what I'm doing, I'm trying to dominate. I'm trying to be the best I can I can be on the field. So, um, you know, I'm just looking forward to bonding with uh, my new teammates and, um, you know, learning this playbook. And um, just just getting after it, you know, uh, and just show show the team, show the city what I'm about.
4: Well, when healthy, he is a a decent cornerback. He is not obviously Kyle Fuller level, but he will be put into a group of guys that ultimately will be competing for the spot opposite of of Jalen Johnson. They brought back Artie Burns yesterday as well. I imagine they will continue to bring guys in and probably even at somewhere in the draft, probably draft a cornerback as well.
3: Desmond Trufant sounds exactly like a cornerback. Exactly like I expect a cornerback to sound. No matter how good, how bad, wherever they are in the spectrum of cornerbacks, he's bring it. I'm here. I'm a cornerback. I'm out on an island. Yep. Yep. That's it. So good. Yeah, There is that's a certain it. confidence that those guys right. have.
4: Yeah, yeah. No, he, he does. You're right. And he I like the way he answered my question because yep. he was like, you know, his answer was, hell, yeah, I could step in and, and do that. You know, don't give me this <laughs> Kyle Fuller style. I respect the guy. But come on. So, yeah, good answer to the question. And we shall see at that position. All right, we have to move along. Do we have time? We have time to do one more. Yes. Yes. OK, yes. Let, let's do it. Um, all right. Let's get back to the Bulls and Arturis Karnaschovas. And this specifically, obviously we are talking about the, the 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 trade for Nikola Vucevic and he he wants the Bulls to be able to be a destination spot and a move like this might make that occur in the future. Here's our tourist Take a listen.
2: Yes, obviously we want Chicago to be an attractive destination for free agents. Um, but you know for us is you know we evaluate it. Um, we uh, had a sample size of more than 40 games, and uh, you know we made couple decisions and to select certain guys to add a couple guys to to this team that can help uh, win games because we we're serious here about winning. Uh, we're serious about the culture of uh, be very competitive and uh, any opportunity we get uh, to make this team better, we will.
4: Steve. Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic on a team together is something that will make players around the NBA notice and will make this a more desirable franchise.
3: And the actions back up the words. It can't be said enough because you had last time that, you know, you, I almost expect to hear Gar Forman telling us that with these Bulls right now, Pau Gasol remains an important part of the core going, going forward. You're getting truth from the, the current regime, and you're getting actions that back it up. And players would want to be part of something that you, you're not going through a rebuild. You're, you're you're part of something where they start with two all-stars. Yeah, I can fit in there. I can imagine myself there. And I think that's that's what the moves this week showed.
4: Amen, man. I, and I think so. And I think the, the only other cut that we had, and we don't have time to play it, was... The possibility now of making a playoff push, which I didn't think they cared about. Now they do care about it, and now, Winning. quite frankly, I care about it. So th- this changed everything from my perspective of watching the Bulls going from development and thinking about next year's draft to what the hell. Let's see what they can do in making the playoffs and what they could do in the postseason.
3: Right. It's, they, In a way, they're like fans. Winning matters. We want to win here. That's what's. That's what we're doing here. Oh, my God. This is wonderful. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, um, can this marriage be saved? Indeed, it apparently has. We'll talk NCAA hoops next. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T-Mobile. Get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.